guys, and welcome to the PP UK podcast. I'm here with Lee. Hi. And Chopin. Hiya. And we have an incredible special guest with us today. So our podcast is going to be a little bit different from normal. Normally we'd be talking about an album, but today we're going to talk about a specific area of Prince's career, and that is his fashion and the whole visual of Prince. So to help us take a deep dive into this, we have the incredible author of, let me get this right, On His Royal Badness, The Life and Legacy of Prince's fashion. And when I say this girl knows fashion, this girl knows fashion. We're talking to BA Honours in fashion design, MA in fashion bodywear, and M Lit in dress and textile histories. And he's currently doing a PhD in Prince fashion and its effect on the fan base, which is incredible. So let me give a little round of applause for the Great introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for welcoming me onto the podcast. It's lovely to, to be here and thank you for my wonderful introduction. I'm going to slip you a little 20. Under the Thanks, I'll expect that in my Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> but we are so excited to have um, you on today and for us to be able to take um, a little bit of a different approach from the rest of our podcasts. Um, and I know, Chopin, you're as excited as I am about this one. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for me, the liberating nature of Prince is as much in his image as it is in his music. So for this, this is a uh, close to the heart one. <laughs> yeah, it's the same, same for me. I know my specialism isn't necessarily in fashion. It's more on the hair and makeup side, but it is an all encompassing kind of visual and it's Prince that made me do what I do in his visuals. So I'm really excited um, to talk about this one. Lee, I think you're uh, more on the music side. Yeah, uh, but I, I see the importance of this, especially to the fan community. And I think, you know, it, the, the thing about these podcasts is, you know, it's to educate, it's to inform, but also to share different aspects of Prince and the community. And, you know, his, you know, fashion is is iconic. And, you know, to learn more about that. And, you know, I think, you know, I think it'd be great for the podcast. So I'm looking forward to this and I have a few questions. So yeah, go for it. Cassie, I'm really curious to know where did your love of Prince come from? What drew you in to Prince? What was your introduction to him? And where did the fascination come from? I was really lucky that my mum and dad um, both had excellent taste in music. So when I was growing up, Prince was always there in some way, shape or form. So, you know, like I would I would see the Love Sexy cassette on the table and be like, who the hell's that? <laughs> you know, like, and I was really in particular fascinated with the the text on the back with, you know, like the symbols and the and that pastel writing. It just really struck me. Um, and, you know, like whenever I went to go and pick my mum up from work, she worked really long hours and so did my dad. And we used to always listen to the Hits um, album in the car. And I have like a really vivid memory of listening to Peach in the car and like singing along to the lyrics about, you know, like the, the titties bouncing <laughs> and my mum being like, Michael, to my dad, like, <laughs> don't let her sing those lyrics. Um, so, yeah, he's just always, I, I say it all the time, but Prince has always been like a constant in my life. And as I grew up and I um, started to, you know, like learn more about myself and become more like um, expressive with my clothes and 
Um, we were speaking bef- before we started this podcast about film noir. Um, I got into film noir and old Hollywood, Hollywood when I was about 14. And it was at that time that I kind of really, it was at that time that I saw Purple Rain as well. I hadn't seen Purple Rain before. And I was like, oh, my mum and dad never told me about this. I wonder why. Because, <laughs> um, you know, like that computer blue <laughs> live performance. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like it it, it pricked my attention. Um, but yeah, when I was that age and, you know, like I saw the way that, you know, like people like Lauren Bacall and Barbara Stanwyck, they were presenting themselves and dressing. And strangely enough, I found like a lineage with Prince, you know, like I, I always saw, you know, like the Herr Brits images of Prince and this like beautiful creature that was, you know, like presented in such a pristine manner and was just like the kind of epitome of glamour. And as I grew up, I just, you know, like really found myself in charity shops and started to kind of play about with fashion and got into like 80s costume jewellery, cut my hands wearing broken costume jewellery and lace gloves like in Purple Rain Um, and then when I went to uni to study fashion he was just always there as well Um, so yeah he's just kind of always been there and I'm really grateful to my mum and my dad in particular for for well you know having good taste in music my mum has some humdingers as well but (laughs) and music taste wise but I was just really lucky that they allowed me to to kind of um, discover the kind of weirdness of Prince as well. Like, I'm a bit of a weirdo, um, and that's what really hooked me on Prince as well. You know, like, he's he's a, we- he's a complete weirdo, and he celebrates that. And to me, like, I love that celebration of the eccentric. So it's a bit of a roundabout answer. He's just kind of always been there um, in the cassette players and then, you know, like, followed me to uni and... You know, like in uni, he really helped me make friends as well. Like on the first night that I moved into halls, there was like 13 or 14 of us and we were all doing fashion or textiles and uh, we were all, you know, like freaking out. I was 17 at the time, you know, you get dumped at uni in these horrible halls and um, we were all sitting in somebody's room watching DVDs and we just watched The Notebook for the first time. So we were all completely traumatised and like, you know, like hyperventilating, crying and, you know, like all this stuff. And then I went into my room and brought out my three disc of Prince DVDs of Prince films. And I was like, does anybody know who Prince is? And everybody was like, no. And I was like, right. <laughs> and that, Good response yeah. to the notebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so you I'd say really, that, we all know exactly what box set that is as well. We all know that one three DVD box set yeah. with a little sleeve. Yeah, and I think I've I think I've bought that DVD box set about five times because I always end up you know like like losing one of the discs or whatever. And in uni, like all my friends would borrow it. Like they never got as far to Graffiti Bridge. Like their threshold was under the cherry moon, but um. Yeah, like that night I made all these friends and, you know, like a lot of my friends now from university we went to go see Prince together. We travelled to London and they've supported me in everything that I've done, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, like he's just been a constant in my life and um, I'm very, very grateful for that. Amazing. I was, I, I, it's really interesting to to hear you talk about it because, your story, I feel, relates to my own quite a lot. I don't know if Lee and Chopin, you you feel the same. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I think 
I think with Prince, and I'm sure I've said this before, is he almost plants a seed, you know, creatively with, you know, there's so many creative people in the, in the Prince community, artists, makeup artists, fashion designers. There's, you know, there's definitely, I've always said this, there's definitely a link to creativity within the Prince community. And, you know, he plants that seed and, you know, it, it shaped people's careers. It shaped my career. It, you know, there's a lot of people I know shaped it, shaped, you know, his influence, his music, his, you know, his fashion, his, you know, his whole persona, it shaped careers. So, you know, her, Cassie's saying that story, you know, it definitely relates on so many levels. And as well as careers, I mean, it shapes like the kind of boldness was like, even if you're not copying him directly as an aesthetic, like, I mean, there are elements of uh, Prince that I definitely just completely took on, especially when I was a teenager, you know, like I'd done the whole painting my face one side as Gemini. I wore the lace mask from Computer Blue to school and all yes. of that and all of that kind of stuff. But, but there was, you know, but, it was he was part of a canon of visual influences, but I think it was the ballsiness of him to kind of to walk in the room like alpha almost alpha male in a pair of high heels and lace bell bottoms and just to be like to own it in that way was as much I think as much as what the individual fashion was, it was the way that he kind of owned whatever it was you know you can make a bad outfit a good outfit if you wear it with enough confidence and that's kind of that's one of those things that definitely influenced me i don't know if it, i don't know if everybody else got that way from it i'm assuming yes <laughs> yeah I, with, definitely i think with, it's that oh sorry on you no, no, no. What I was going to say was there's very, very few bad pictures of Prince in terms of fashion. There's the very, very few bad pictures of him. There's always, you know, iconic. And a lot of his uh, pictures, album covers are definitely iconic. So, go on, Kissy. Yeah, no, I, I think that um, what you're saying about that boldness, and I think that's what I identified with when I was younger because I just saw this, this this being and I just it like opened possibilities of of what you could be how you could present yourself because you know like I was a very awkward like you know like overweight teenager that was interested in things that a lot of my friends weren't like you know like I had like thankfully my mum you know like introduced me to stuff and so I was kind of like a weird kind of mixed bag of different things that I was interested in and looking at people like Prince, it kind of gave you that, kind of gave you permission to to, to be who who you want to be. I'll, I'll always think of like Prince and Dita Von Teese perhaps in the same way and that Prince and Dita, you know, like they curate the life that they want to live, they curate the art, the, the image, the, the persona that they want to be and they they build it for their, for themselves. And to me, that's something that I've always really um, inspired, uh, that's always really inspired me because I, I want to live that creative life and I want to have that that liberation, like what Chopin was saying, that, that liberated way of living and expressing yourself through fashion, through music, through art, and having the, the balls to do it. Because like you say, like, I think what's really interesting every time I speak to about people about prints and fashion 
is it the, the the kind of main thing that pops up is oh he looked incredible but only Prince could wear those things you, you know like only you only and there's that kind of um unique princeness you know like that when you read about Prince in high school and people remember him walking through the corridors strutting down you know like in bell-bottom jeans and his afro and there was that thing about about him and I think he's just naturally one of those people that had such a strong sense of self and knew the importance of of expressing himself through through clothing and and obviously you know like utilized that to his his advantage especially in the beginning um but I think like when you're growing up and you have that permission when you see these people and you have that permission it can be really 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 impactful on on your life and obviously it has been with you know like with, with us guys when we're chatting about it so yeah it's really important stuff absolutely i mean from i remember um my ex, you know my experience of expression fashion because i was the youngest of four there was and um, i had two older brothers a lot of it was basically hand-me-down clothes so i didn't really express myself in any like fashion way it was kind of all in dancing or on the way I acted uh but when I finally got to kind of express myself through clothes that was it was quite the you know like Prince was very much the forefront I started by trying to copy him and I realized quite quickly that that didn't work because my frame wasn't Prince's frame you know um high-waisted trousers wasn't gonna you know, look so good on a chubby guy as they were on like Prince's very V frame. But I could take the bits that I could, like this is why I, like I went out with the mask and or the hats or um, there, there was even one where, do you remember in Love Sexy, there's this fantastic outfit in on the Love Sexy tour, which is like kind of like white tights, black shorts, and then like suspenders down to the belts. Uh, to the suspender belts down to the boots. Yeah, I got a pair of like my dad's old uh, braces and attached them to the bottom of my army boots, and then pulled them up to like the lapels, uh, like the epaulets of like a kind of like pilot style kind of work jacket uh, shirt, and that was the way that I could do it. But like, if it was, I realized it was the details I could copy, but structurally I was different. So I had to change that. Um, and also other people that I was kind of copying was the kind of the Tom of Finland aesthetic and also Madonna as well. As like a, it was like kind of a combination of Tom of Finland, Madonna, Prince, a little bit of Michael Jackson in this, but not so much once I found Prince. And it was that learning process of juggling those things and of all those people, I could talk about all of those individual influences separately, but Prince, it was definitely the boldness to do it as a guy. You know, like, it, it became like, I think the reason I didn't go down the drag queen route, because I could quite easily go in that kind of, like, pre, you know, presentational kind of makeup and clothes and stuff like that, is because I kind of I had someone like Prince who was like, you don't you can do it without adjusting your own body just use your own silhouette to create an impact and it took a little bit of learning <laughs> as it does when you're in a teenager because there's always awkward years and stuff 
But I think I agree, like, I definitely agree with you on that one, Casey. Cassie. It was just like, you see that and it's emboldening. And, and that starts the process of the work. I agree. I mean, it's, for me, it was, it was slightly different. You had the issue, well, I say issue, the challenge of trying to understand how you're going to take elements of prints and incorporate it to work with your your silhouette and I had a similar issue with the fact that I'm a woman um so I I've always wanted to do kind of a dirty mind a tribute to dirty mind and I'm like I can't walk out with my knockers out I can't that that can't I mean it could I I, I was gonna say I beg to differ but you know yeah. I, I, I have no friends who have but but it was about I always took elements, not just from Prince, but always the women around him as well. So I was looking at people like Vanity and Sheila E and Jill and uh, Third Eye Girl. I was always taking elements of what they did and kind of mixed it with what Prince did. And I've always had a vintage element to what I've worn. So there's always been a little bit of a 40s, 30s sprinkling in there for me, which has kind of just ended up with a huge love of tailoring. So blazers with big shoulders that are beautifully tailored um, and high-waisted trousers. I can't wear anything on my hips. I look at people wearing hipsters and I'm like, how? I don't, my brain doesn't even compute because from such a young age, I've been obsessed with prints and it's always been about the high-waisted. It was always sitting above the hips, apart from parade, of course. Yeah. Um, just to throw that in there. Um, <laughs> so it it has really, really affected how I dress. And I, I don't think about it consciously anymore. I will go out and wear something and I'll be out with my partner or I'll see friends that are Prince fans and they'll be like, oh, this is very Prince. And I'm like, oh, is it? I didn't, I didn't try. <laughs> Sometimes it would just be like layering pearls and layering chains and the way I accessorize. So I could wear something that's not remotely prints. Like if you looked at it as an outfit, it wouldn't be prints. But the way that I over accessorize it naturally now kind of adds that little prints seasoning on top. Um, but it is definitely a learning process. Um, and I think because he took so many elements from so many different places, when you're trying to find your own style and you're taking influence from someone taking it from so many places, I feel like it is a real journey um, that you go on. I went through a goth stage. I went through an 80s vintage stage. Um, I just went through Prince replicating stage. And it's kind of now at the point where my own natural style is just in, kind of just affected by all these different areas that is like, what that is something around uh, when you said that you have the vintage phase because I was obviously uh, going uh, through the the army surplus stores to create some of these looks like like to kind of do the accessories it that way yeah uh, kind of put these accessories on like a hyper masculine fr I mean I I wasn't consciously doing that I now know that's what I was doing uh, but I was taking like the hyper uh, a hyper masculine frame and then kind of feminizing it with accent you know like with accessories and stuff i just wondered did everybody is did everybody find they had to go to the vintage or the used store because the shops just weren't cutting it in terms of its personal expression because it's hard to look if you if you're just buying off the rack unless you know how to customize and sew how do you kind of embolden something that's just on the rack you know but is but isn't this the case though? Like 
both you and Leah have said, and even Cassie, is you're using prints to describe a look. So he was that unique that it was like, oh, the princeness or you, the prince look. It's like he defined him, himself was his own description, if that makes sense. I think there's always an authenticity to Prince that that kind of like USP of princeness. Yeah, princeness. And I yeah. think like what we all identify with is that kind of you know like the messy bit at the beginning of his career, where you know like he's written about and um, you know like the army surplus stores, secondhand stores. He's borrowing makeup and um, you know like jewelry from from um, female family family members. He's completely ripping off Des Dickerson and Andre Simone, and he's getting you know like his his girlfriends to stitch up um, costumes for for his band. Like when they were in high school, like that like element of like bricolage and you know like bringing everything in. Like we're all multi-dimensional people, and I think like that kind of rawness and the messiness of Prince does stay throughout his career. It becomes refined and it, it, it you know like he he you know like solidifies it into the silhouette that I say like he's got like his Prince loungewear and then he's got his unconventional tailoring. That's his like two go-tos. But that kind of like um like playfulness and experimentation um is something that we can all relate to and and it's it, whenever i speak to people that are you know like creative minded as well and they speak about prints and fashion that's always something that they, they really cling on to those early years like you know like, i think 1979 is such a fantastic year of prince's fashion people ridicule it but it's, it's so interesting because you see the way his mind work. It would be the same looking at a picture of us when we were 15 or 16 and we've shoved on everything from the British Heart Foundation and, <laughs> and trying to make it work. But it's like that, you know, like coming of age and coming, coming into your own style. And we've probably all had it ourselves. We're all, we're all like, you know, like we all express ourselves through, through clothing to different varying degrees. But we all do that, and we've all had that within us from the from the the get go, you know, that way, and and we're just polishing it. Um, and I think with Prince, that that kind of messy area is a really really interesting thing to look at, and I think it really excites fans um, because. So I always think of Prince as unattainable. Um, you know, like wearing these, you know, like couture outfits and things that are tailor-made to him. And yes, there's that side of him, but all throughout his career, he wears off the rack, he borrows clothes from from people. And there's this kind of like um, relatability that I find through Prince's fashion, which is weird because when I first started, I was just really, really interested in finding out more about the costume designers and 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 that side of things because it's it's never talked about when you when you read about about performers on stage the people behind it get glossed over and it's not mm. right and it's something that I'm really passionate about. Absolutely. But the more, I, yeah, like it's even like when we're talking about Madonna and stuff like that, it's it it just gets glossed over and it, and and there's no real kind of analysis or thought behind why they wear the things that they do and when you when you're particularly speaking about stage costume costume and it's it's an art form and it's something that's integral to the the artist performing and performing their their art but anyway i digress uh, i think I, that's a really interesting point in that uh that it's an art form in itself and when you 
when you go to see exhibitions like um, um, My Name is Prince, there was an interesting realization I came to while I was looking at the stuff. And I just look at, the, I mean, the outfits are exciting and, but the polish comes around, you know, like, it, like Helen Hyatt, Stacia Lang, uh, those those people. There's a, a level of tailoring that just kind of like elevates, and then that that stage clothes become fashion stage clothes, and they became and they become merged. Whereas before, like the kind of um, is it Mary France who does all of the uh, Purple Rain era stuff? Okay. I mean, they're beautiful clothes, and the under cherry under the cherry moon stuff. They're beautiful clothes, but they're you know, if you've spent any time in a theatre, they're they're very much made to be worn on stage, very light, very, they move. And there's something that happens just around like the kind of cashmere love sexy jackets uh, that are kind of, I think, Helen Hyatt and the leather jackets from like Graffiti Bridge. And then into Stacia Lang, where it becomes really structured, but still like tropical weight, uh, suit fabric so it becomes still breathable and movable and then it loosens up again with like early era Debbie McGuinn is it McGuinn uh, yeah. and again and it's like this but within all of those people like there's this curve that um, that they all kind of do and they, it's very much as much as it is Prince deciding to get those people or saying approving these designs, those, those designs do come from those designers. You know, there, there's Mary France has a signature, Helen Hyatt has a signature, Stacia Lang has a signature, and Debbie McGuinn has a signature. So there's a very, you know, as much as band members changing, those people around Prince uh, in the costume department. Uh, and in clothing department, especially somebody that wears basically costuming on a daily day to day basis, you know, this anything that's made for stage is also worn for a rehearsal or worn yeah. for a studio. You know, they end up being practical clothes. And and I think you're absolutely right. These these names need to be up there in my book with Wendy and Lisa. They need to be up there with Tony and and. Uh, Sunny T in the importance of the journey on Mr. Hayes because Prince is such a multifaceted career in and he's important on so many levels. Um, business, art, you know, like visuals, uh, clothes and music that we get quite focused on the band members a lot of the time and those people do deserve their credit but I think, yeah, those seamstresses and those designers really do too. Yeah, I think it's I think what you were talking when you're talking about as well, that difference between stage garment and then it turns into clothes is really interesting as well. And um, that's something that I'm looking at into my PhD. The the fact that you know like we view all these, we look at the Raspberry Beret suit and we're like, wow, this iconic garment, or you know, like the the fur dye girl um, you know, like tunics that he wore. And then we see images of, of them in Paisley Park on a rack of clothes and they're half fallen off their, their, their um, hanger and they're crumpled and they're worn and they're like, 
to Prince, obviously, these garments are just his clothes. That's just the way that he, you know, like it, it, it's 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 so intrinsic to who he is. It's just um, so there's that kind of like ickiness that I need to get into. But I think as well, it's important what you're saying as well about the, the, the stage element of the clothing and that turn of, you know, like with Helen Hyatt and Stacia Lang. I think as well, a lot of that comes from them being from the theatre background. So like before, like um, Marie France is a costume designer. She like um, her role is to make the clothes like film, you know, like like look amazing on films. And, you know, like when she came into Purple Rain, she had she had to, you know, like like basically redraft a lot of the stuff and reproduce it in fabrics that were actually going to photograph and, and look okay under camera lights. In comparison to what, you know, like um, Louis Wells and Von Terry were doing, which was like a kind of blend of they were working with, you know, like Earth, Wind and Fire. And so they were on the road anyway. They were making performance ready clothes, but they weren't, you know, like there was that kind of... Um, like disconnect, not not like a bad disconnect, but you know, like different clothes for different roles for a performer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, like um, these people are really, really these these creatives are so important to that. You were talking earlier about like Prince's silhouette, and obviously Prince is working. You know, like he, he's like the perfect the perfect um, person for a tailor. You know, like he's. He's got um, proportions that aren't, aren't kind of, you know, like I, I say normal loosely, you know, like your stereotypical, what is stereotypical proportions? They don't exist. But, yeah. you know, like Prince is, a, is, is the best person um, for, for, you know, like he, he's he's the customer that a tailor's looking for. He's, and got, people, that upside, he's got that upside down pyramid yeah. like, of the broad shoulders and hyper thin waist. That's yeah. kind of, and that kind of leanness as well that, that, people like Von Terry like really amplified with the kind of 1999 and and, and moving forward to Purple Rain they were they were the people that that actually amped it up and made him more of a presence on stage you know like when you look at all the um you know like the smoke the smoke shows is that what you know like the smoke screens and all the lighting and you know like in Purple Rain the silhouette work and everything that he carries on for for, for so many years that is so like iconic and so and, and it's so strong on screen because of the way that they have built up his body through tailoring. So it's it, it is and you know like with with Stacia Lang like that scroll work and ornate detailing that she brings into it, it's just I know Chopin. She's oh, <laughs> um, okay. I, 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 I can do a whole thing on that. <laughs> I know, but but like these people are so 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 important to Prince's story. And not just you know like working with Prince them as creatives as well. They're just they're just incredible. Um, one person I, and I always kind of put it out when I speak to people is that I would love to speak to somebody who knew Jim Sheeran who worked with Helen Hyatt in the mid eighties and and kind of late late eighties and early nineties with Prince. Um, he was the tailor and he he came from a theatre background as well. And from my kind of interest point, I'm really interested in the pattern aspect of it, the pattern making. Um, and I think that Jim Sheeran passed, um, I believe it was like late 90s or early 2000s. Um, and there's not that, well, there's nothing written about him other than, you know, like he worked with Prince. Um, and I, 
from my understanding, he was really, really integral, along with Von Terry and Louis Wells and Sylvia Simone as well, um, you know, like creating the first trench coats and things. But if anybody knows, <laughs> um, because I want to tell these stories and I want I want people to, like, like you say, Chopin, that vocabulary of, you know, like Helen Hyatt and, and Debbie McGuan, like they should be in our vocabulary just as much mm. as you know, you know, like the Game Boys and you know, like all, all. Do you know what I mean? It's it's okay. so important. I think uh, PPUK might have to put a little bit of a campaign. Yeah. Oh, we can yeah. do it. We can do it. <laughs> well, I, I didn't even great. think about it before, but when you say that, like around end of controversy, ninety, you know, ninety nine, nine tour, they start to work on his silhouette. That's where the stage shows start to have backlighting. Yeah. Uh, like the silhouette in backlighting that's, um, you know, at the start of the show with the pulsing light. And and it's interesting that I never really put the two together because Dirty Mind, you know, it's just a couple of spotlights and he comes on stage, you know, looking like Dirty Mind Prince. But that backlighting with the big reveal and re- and relying on the silhouette before any other detail, it, those clothes change the stage show and the way he starts shows. I mean, look at the way he starts Diamonds and Pearls uh, with that, to, which to me is one of, when I think of Prince, I think of that hands out, almost kind of like Jesus pose at the start of Diamonds and Pearls, where he's got his arms stretched out, there's a cloud guitar down there, his hair's up in the typhoon, and he's in the, the station and kiss curl jacket, but you don't know that until the lights come on. But uh, that to me, like a lot of people think of Purple Rain Prince, but that to me, when I, when you say the word Prince, that's the image that comes to mind. And it's, and, and it is a direct, as much as that is very uniquely stationary in a lot of those details, it still does throw back to those that dirty, uh, sorry, that controversy, 1999 uh, backlit entrance to the show. It's building the mystery, which mm. later on ended up being such an integral part of his persona and his stage presence. And to think that just the fact that his silhouette had changed because of his clothes, and that's what kind of seems to have initiated a lot of that. I, I, yeah, I agree. I think iconically, though, each era has its own silhouette that is very iconic. Even to the later years, he embraced the afro and the silhouette of the afro. I was looking at an image today and it was one of the shows and it's almost an outline of him, the afro, and he's holding up the cane. And it's like each era, if you if you played a game of like silhouettes and put prints each silhouette, you would be able to name the era because it's so iconic. Mm. You know, and we'll probably set that up as a game now of like, oh, which era is this? You know, <laughs> but it's you know, you could you you know which era it is because it's so just with silhouette, you know when it is. Um, I actually wanted to ask you about um, Cassie and that is one of the things that did seem to defy kind of different eras with Prince and that was his tunic and trouser combo. Um, It's one of the things that we do see from Rave all the way through to Third Eye Girl and it just seemed to be something that he really latched onto and used in so many different textures, styles, contexts 
next. Do you know or have any theories why particularly he jumped on that particular one and held on to it maybe a little bit longer than the rest of his silhouettes? I think that silhouette is one of the most kind of important parts of Prince's kind of sartorial legacy. Um, I kind of refer it in my head as like Prince loungewear. <laughs> like, you know, like that's where he's most comfortable. Um, I think, he, I, I, well, you know, like I'm speaking on, on his behalf, but you know, like I, when Prince is in suits, he doesn't look uncomfortable, but the loungewear, it, 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 to me, it looks effortless and there's this effortless, um, per, you know, like, glamour performance and chicness that, that comes with the tunic and the trousers and I do think that you know like it's it's remained in some way shape or form throughout all his career because you see it jump up in like 1979 with the body wear in terms of the dance skins and this really you know like the tight um low neck and then this you know like the slash necks that he wears and then um, you know, like graffiti bridge, like that's like peak Prince loungewear, you know, like the big baggy <laughs> top and the, the unitard and these things. And I think, you know, like um, when you're talking about Rave and he was working with Jose R. Lenz, um, who's like an LA based designer. Um, and I, I spoke to him, I was really lucky enough to speak to him in the book. And he, his whole kind of ethos of designing for Prince is that he wanted Prince to be comfortable and to, to, to look fabulous on the on on stage so he was using you know like um swimwear fabrics so like you know like um proper millennium swimwear fabrics that looked like you know like the back of the cd so you know like y2k very y2k yeah but that kind of tunic and the the trousers like you say it kind of it follows them and then you know like when it comes to piano and microphone tour it's it's in it's like you know like crystallized form and that you know like prince is is an aging man he's he's dealing with you know like health issues and and the issues that we know that, he, that we now know that he, that he was having and i think when you see him in those tunics and and in those there's always there's always a, a a specific way that the garments are cut they're cut loose to the body but they're cut tight around the shoulders they're built up around his shoulders and um, some of them have shoulder pads some of them don't but they're cut in a way that still gives that you know like the really kind of strict shoulder shoulder line and drop and then there's that elegance of like seeing his you know like when he's playing the piano and it's just draping so you can see like like I always think Prince is really beautiful, elegant hands. So you know like that, um, and then the the bootleg pants, you know, like Prince's version of yoga pants are again cut that way, just so you can see the top of his heel, but you can't see you can't see the areas of the heel that are worn. And you know, like when we see when we look at Prince, like we've all looked at the auction sites and see all these battered up Prince heels and. You know, like from from the the work that he's been putting into them, they're they're a working garment, they're a working object. Um, yeah, so the bootleg trousers are cut in a way that you just see a certain height of the heel. You don't get to see the back of the shoe and the areas of of um, you know, like kind of wear and tear that we know Prince was was doing in these these kind of garments and objects that he was wearing these accessories, and the bootleg. Um, the, the bootleg to me is like a kind of extension of what he was wearing as a youngster as well. You know, like Prince was a child of the, he was like a peacock revolution child. So he was, he was looking up to Santana and James Brown and, and these people and, and Hendrix and all these people. And 
whilst he was wearing jeans at school and things, that kind of translates into this kind of lucid, languid, you know, like he can pull on these trousers. They often, you know, like nine times out of ten, they didn't have pockets on them. They didn't have labels on them. Um, and they were in these kind of slinky fabrics. Um, so it's, it, to me, it's like, you know, like Prince's version of loungewear. But it's it's like when you see, see it on stage, it's amped up. So there might be like a, you know, like a variation of fabric or there might be a print, you know, like the fur dye. Um, or a necklace or yes the yeah like the, the costume jewelry the layering of the costume jewelry that kind of like nod to Versace and and the fact that he was layering up all these kind of jewels and and all this stuff but half of it was from Forever 21 and you know like it it was all just um colored metal so that like I just find all that stuff really interesting um but yeah like the the, the kind of slinky loungewear is something that I really want to kind of dive into, hopefully, um, in my PhD. And I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say where my research will go, but I think there's something really um, interesting in the way that Prince wore clothing. You know, like he would sometimes like without labels, without pockets. Um, the the type of fabrics that he was wearing, he was really into soft, like model fabrics. He did, you know, like. All this stuff that you can see when you look, I mean, when you look at the parade tours and those trousers and the fabric those trousers are made of and the crop tops, that never, that never leaves him. It just, it just becomes slightly a bit more refined as he gets older and, you know, his body changes. Um, So yeah, it's, it's something that I'm really interested in. It's interesting that when you um, talk about the, like, with the, he accessorizes from places like Forever 21. Like he can turn, turn uh, like street store stuff and mix and match it. It's one of my favorite stories is the, the lime green sweater from Emancipation is actually yeah. just a cream one off, off the rack from Target. And it's like, oh, I have to buy, the, the seamstress is like, I have to buy 10 more because he wants them in every color. Um, can we dye it? You know, <laughs> like, a, yeah. Will it go green? Does it? Does this? You know, like, and 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 I rem- I remember when first seeing that emancipation image with the snow ja- like a, a snow jacket and a Target women's jacket and a pair of yoga pants and it like it the way his hair was cut was very kind of boyish and it was just so I nothing about it said off the rack but lots of it kind of was but it was mixed it because you took from that rack on that side of the store and that rack on that side of the store and then obviously you have some talented seamstresses who kind of take it in at the waist and here and there but you the the that kind of stuff that kind of loungewear is weirdly a lot more accessible to you than you think which goes back to that thing where you think of princess this unaccessible thing and but actually he's not um you know you you can do a version of it with like inserting some uh, shoulder pads into the shirt and definitely at the moment as well sites like pretty little thing and boohoo have so much of these co-ord lounge sets mm-hmm. with covid co-ord lounge sets have just become everywhere so it's really commonplace now on those kind of sites to find like a flared turtleneck with matching trousers that are literally the same cut now whether that's prince having a little influence there knowingly or not 
that's up for debate, but they are accessible now at the moment, which is brilliant because I go out and buy about five of them. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Cassie, you mentioned accessories there. So I'm going to jump on that and uh, let you have a little chat with Chopin about the chain hat, because I don't think me and Lee can have any input on this subject. I'm a huge fan of the chain hat. Yeah, there's, there's pictures of me wearing it somewhere on the, online. I think there's not a single person that's been to one of the London weekenders who hasn't had a picture in that chain hat. Our DNA is all over. <laughs> I wish that's true. Uh, this is pre-COVID as well. <laughs> Probably just yeah, got COVID from the chain hat. <laughs> I gotta say, when I got a actual real one from the ones that they were doing from Pasty Park, I did as a thank you gift that one that I made myself to rosalina who was so that particular hat is now in uh, washington so (laughs) it has a life out the communal chain hat has has moved on weirdly enough it started life as a it was a birthday present from my brother because i was when i was a when i was like a teenager i would get i would try and recreate the chain hat with paper clips um <laughs> okay so like to chain round and i was trying Eight to do or it didn't happen <laughs> unfortunately my family didn't think that, back then photos weren't as ubiquitous and, and oh. I, I did try and make the violet the organ grinder top in paper clips because i couldn't afford the chains as well but i i got like kind of like one arm and the top but i didn't have enough paper clips <laughs> but um now I've got a, a real gold chain hat, so I've, that was amazing. But to me, that that was that Violet the organ. I was so happy to see that there was a, a chapter on the gold chain hat and the kind of my name is Prince outfit because to me, more so uh, now the my name is Prince outfit could have its own PhD. But before that, I always thought the Violet the organ grinder outfit in itself is basically a head-to-toe transformation from masculinity to femininity and fashion in one body. And I just thought that in itself, and I, I don't think it was conscious. I, I, yeah. I just think, I think it was the most amazing piece of like instinctual costuming. And that came from him. Yeah. Um, I was just interested why, you know, when you, when you've got this whole wealth of Prince iconography to choose from. Uh, what do you stuck out about the gold chain hat? I think for me, it's a, it's that iconic silhouette and it's that kind of link to, you know, like you were mentioning before, Tom of Finland. When I see the chain hat, I think of Betty Page and Irvin Claw and, and this kind of, you know, like the 1950s fetish stuff that I am interested in myself. And I know that Prince was interested in it as well. And there's this kind of, um, like you say, like particularly in Violet, the organ grinder, I completely agree with you. And the fact that it was, it was, it was a transformation. And to me, it becomes almost like a genderless being. It's, it, Prince just is sex in that song. It's, it doesn't, you know, like he doesn't necessarily specify, 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 <laughs> um, you know, like he talks about your brassiere and stuff, but you don't know if it's a man or a woman. And his main his main kind of uh, purpose in life is to grind all the live long days. So he needs this this kind of workwear <laughs> that allows him to do this. Um, and I think I think that that music video to me is just like it's just 
absolute utter perfection. And I found it really difficult to write about it because probably like you, Chopin, it, it just makes me it's it just makes me like fizz with such joy. It's just it's just such a as you mentioned, Chopin, it's just a perfect pairing of song and costume. And then, you know, like it finds a life in My Name is Prince and, and it changes, like the, the, the chain hat then changes into something else, into another type of power and another um, assertiveness and control and that that is different to Violet, distinctly different to Violet. Um, but also as well, when you were talking about making your hat with um, um, the paper clips, I can just imagine a, a tiny Chopin going into, you know, like WH Smith. <laughs> Buying out all the paper clips, <laughs> just all your all your pocket money of paper clips. <laughs> but these stories, like they bring me such joy because you know, like, I, I know Lee did it as well. Like you know, like I did that when I was younger as well, and you know, like yeah. hoarding lots of Marks and Spencers nylon nighties and teddies, trying to be like Vanity. Never going to happen. Never but, but this happen. is it though within the Prince community. A lot of people, even at parties now, like when we went to Birmingham, they duplicate the looks. You know, people, you know, cosplay the looks. You know, they're they're incredibly popular, and some people have you know have pulled off some great looks over the years of replicating his look. And you know, I remember I one of Le Leah did a fantastic one of the beautiful night look uh, with the with the jean jacket kind of sign of the times at one of the parties with the, with the pea cap. I, I was, that was fantastic. I'd that like was hours of hand painting on bleach onto denim. <laughs> <laughs> but there's even groups on Facebook now that people share their, their looks and, and replicated looks on, you know, what they've created from, um, from Prince's looks. Um, Cassie, I had a question for you. I don't know if you've covered it at all. Is what I think is also unique, and I don't know if it's mentioned a lot, is Prince embracing fan art and wearing fan art on T-shirts, um, like Third Eye Boy. Um, I think he, I'm not sure if he wore some of Martin's stuff, but I remember a lot of Third Eye Boy stuff that he he wore, and he embraced, you know, he embraced fan art on album covers and also in his fashion. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. This is I didn't I didn't mention this in my book, but this is something this is a kind of big area that I'm looking into for my PhD. Um, because I'm really interested in that relationship between Prince and fandom. And like you say, like that um that kind of reverence and and you know, like at times kind of tricky relationship with, with fan art and, and, and fan fandom, but he did respect it. Coco and Breezy, like he could have asked them, you know, like the third eye um, the glasses. glasses are mine. Yeah. yeah, you can't sell them to anyone. But instead, he allowed, not that he allowed, but you know, that way, like he was like, no, by all means, sell these. Anyone can wear them. And I think that in wearing, you know, like fan art and, and, um, and, and, and kind of, I think Prince was, um, how do I put it? Like, I think Prince, had a real eye for creativity and art and and, and obviously he, he did but I think he really really relished when he saw somebody doing their own thing 
And I think yeah. that's when you see, you know, like when he picks up on specific looks and it, sorry, specific illustrations and, and then go on to, you know, like um, get blown up into album art and things like that, that he really, really respected people that were doing their own thing. Yes. Um, and I think, I think as well, it's like he really used clothing and, and, and costuming and, um and that side of things to communicate to his fans as well. So, you know, like all the, you know, like the 3121 jacket that he wore before the album was released and, you know, like the, you know, like wearing literally Minneapolis on his sleeve, you know, like he was asking people to come to the Purple Rain tours wearing purple. And that yeah, was before, something purple, yeah. Yeah, like, and, and you know, like there's images, yeah, there's images of like the night, I think it's the, it's called no yeah it's at the very beginning of the 1999 tour and it's in Detroit and Prince is performing and he's jumping out into the crowd and there's a sea of young um, black men all wearing the trench coat and they've got the rude boy pin on so that that kind of um, like visual replication was there from the beginning yeah um, and I think you you know like when he made you know like we're speaking of earlier about the emancipation and the the bird jacket you know like he made that accessible for fans it, it was a higher price item but he he wanted fans to, to to wear like he wasn't precious about his his clothes does that make sense well, sometimes you, you find with with um, designers the um, not designers sorry with performers they want a certain thing for themselves. They don't want it to be mass marketed and, and things like that. But on certain occasions, not all occasions, he was very generous with, you know, like letting his fans into that little bit of a accessible princeness. Um, that's a really, really interesting question. And it's something that um, I will hopefully spend the next three years. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've always thought that, you know, in his later years, I thought him embracing fan art and wearing yeah. fan art, I, I've not seen that with any other artist. And, uh, yeah. you know, and it was, it, he realised, I think, over the years, the importance of community. And like you said, with like the MPG stuff and all of that, he saw it, his fan group as a community and that it's an important brand. And to feel part of that community, you would wear the clothing. You know, I remember... Yeah you know, going to the tours and stuff and everyone was buying the merchandise because they wanted to wear it in, in the crowd because it's that sense of community and using fashion as a, a statement of being part of a community. And that's, you know, and it's, I still think it's incredibly important. With that sense of community, um, I wanted to talk to you, Cathy, a little bit about the community Prince created essentially with his band, um, with all the bands running through, um, particularly how he dressed women around him. Um, I'm hugely passionate and a champion of Prince's women. Um, you get some people in the community, they're a little bit mm, shady with the Prince girls. Um, I'm a huge champion for all of the women that Prince worked with. Um, but the way they dressed was always very united with him. Um, so I, I don't think you, you mentioned it within the book, um, but I was just wanting to know what your thoughts are around, around Prince dressing women and bandmates. I think, I think, again, that's a really, really amazing question as well. And it's, it's something that it's, I'm writing something about it in terms of love sexy, but I think that, 
Prince used, well, Prince, Prince dressed women as a mirror of themselves. You know, like it, it's, you know, Wendy and Lisa in particular, well, you know, like Wendy specifically, it, there's that real mirror image. It gets a little bit, it, 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 it's hard to say because when you, when, when you hear the women talking about um, the clothes that Prince was asking them to wear, they all say they're more or less quite happy to wear them. There is instances, you know, like in the nineties and stuff, and you know, like it, specific garments and 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 that type of thing. But I think the A Prince knew the importance of of stage wear and 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 that kind of cohesive um, look. I think as well. I think it was all about if they look good, it made him look good. I know that sounds bad, but we yeah. know what Prince was like. <laughs> He could look better in any of the outfits that they were. Do you know what I mean? Like because he just had that that thing about about him. I think like um, I think there's a really interesting thing that needs to be like discussed and delved more about that mirroring of Prince within women and the, the women in Prince's life and and in Prince's creative um, life as well. You know, like particularly when you're like talking about. You know, like the like Vanity Six and the lyrics of Vanity Six and Prince Prince writing these lyrics and talking about you know like wearing his camisole and and all these these really specific details that you know like are like to the again you know like the the kind of atypical heteronormative male isn't going to have that much of a kind of connection to a, a particular heel or a camisole or a particular way, a way like, you know, like a fabric falls on the body or feels against the body. But Prince had that within him. He had that kind of vocabulary. And I think, and particularly in the A, and, and Maite as well, like the way that he dressed Maite, like it's just, Maite's costumes in the 90s are like an absolute scream. They're so much fun. What and I love that, about Maite in particular is there was this real change in that all the women that he was dressed in prior to Maite, they were always hyper-feminine. They were so feminine a lot of the time. There's a little bit of a change with the Purple Rain, but when you look at Love Sexy, they are very feminine, very sexy. Maite's outfits were extraordinarily sexy, but he started putting her in like Doc Martens and the big hats. This kind of masculinity came into the way she dressed and it added to her own femininity. So I love that there was like this switch up with my take compared to past women he dressed. Yeah, and I think that was kind of reflective of, of the, the kind of the style at the time as well, you know, like that kind of, you know, like blossom fashion and, you know, like the big baggy grunge wear along with like, you know, like the, the panty or the, the crop top and stuff. Yeah. And I think Maite's um, clothes worked in particular so well because she was grounded within belly dance and her garments were designed for that to show off, you know, like her, her skill in dancing. Um, I spoke to her very briefly about it in Celebration in 2018. So Maite just kind of echoed what, what I had suggested, you know, like it was echoing the clothing allowed her to dance and to look um, the best she could and it made her dancing even more fantastical because, you know, like the embellishments and the way the garments were cut and the fabric, they moved with her body and the rhythm of her body. Um, 
I think that is like Lee, it's a really, really important thing to think about the way that he positioned women in his band and the way that he was dressing dressing them. And that kind of um that that mirroring, but also is it a way of him like you know, like there is an element of fetishizing women to to to, to a certain certain degree and yeah. And him dressing particularly mighty because it did it, it, it did become quite overtly sexual at a point. Um, but whenever Mighty speaks about it, she does always speak about it fondly. Um, I think with Ferd Die Girl, I think he he like hit the nail on the head there because it allowed the band to dress, it allowed the band to have their own kind of, you know, like their own persona, their own character. And the the clothing worked with the music that they were playing, and there was that freedom of movement and things. But um, I do think it's really interesting. I think it's something that um, that I, I wish more people would would look into that that you know like you know like Camille and, and all these things that was Prince was Prince ha- like havering on about camisoles for like two or three years in the 80s because he wanted to wear one or was it because he was he, he fetishized the women in them or like you know like the way that he dressed Susan Moon, uh, Moonsey as well like there's there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack um but it's very interesting um and I would love to speak to 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 the the women that wore these clothes I know that cat had a cat you know like a cat found it quite difficult the skimpy costumes and you know like she but she came in with her own style and she influenced sign of the times um style and and the, and the dance and you know we, we know all the stuff but i think all the women do come in you know like vanity like vanity is so important to um contemporary fashion today like you cannot look at beyonce or rihanna or or, or any of these performers that started with vanity, like, and I would love to know more about that relationship between vanity and Prince and the way that he dressed. Um, I know that, you know, like with Susan and um, uh, Jill, oh my God. Jill Jones. Jill, Jill Jones and, um, oh my God, I've totally forgotten Vanity Six. Uh, Brenda, oh my, Brenda's my favourite as well. The <laughs> <laughs> limousine is my absolute jam. <laughs> no, yeah, let's not talk about nasty girl. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, That's my jam. <laughs> but um, I know that I know that they had a bit of a kind of contentious. Or Prince is putting us in these teddies and these stockings and camisoles. And but I think with a lot of you know, like wearing the the blazers and the tuxedo jackets and that kind of like you say the masculinity of 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 almost you know like borrowing your lover's jacket to cover up when you're going out for a pint of milk i think a lot of that i i, I feel like that is that is so so much there's so much denise in there like yeah um but yeah it's another tangent that i would love to go down i I, I think some of the things you touched on there, like I find uh, ones that I find really fascinating myself with the, uh, um, as much as he told women what to wear, he would take their clothes and alter it for himself. And it's that kind of, am I putting this in your wardrobe because actually I want it myself? And yeah. 
and especially when he does when he done the Oprah interview where he's just like, well, I'm a new, you know, I'm a new person now, and I don't know what gender that person is, i.e., the symbol, and you know, not to extrapolate too much from it, but the fact that you would even consider that, or even say that out loud, you know, and we know how much he controlled, he's how controlled he is about the information about himself that goes out. That's a very key message about you know how much he saw of himself in the people that he dated and how much yeah. you know in that mirror in that mirroring thing that it's kind of i mean today we'd have words like gender fluid but that term didn't that yeah. term wasn't uh, around then and i know it's a controversial term for some prince fans but unfortunately <laughs> this all of this visuals are essentially what we what we would call now gender fluid yeah, you'd say the same about david bowie as well wouldn't you yeah exactly. even if you are even if you identify as like a, a binary heterosexual male how you present how it, the, the whole presentation of this the whole ambiguity of i'm taking my girlfriend's clothes putting adjusting them for myself i'm kind of you know suggesting ways in which she looked because actually i want to mirror it within my tailoring and my clothes that's uh it's not just simply I'm going to dress you up to look sexy so my mates like you. It's like yeah. it, it's not. I think it. I think he got away with a lot of having revealing skimpy women around him uh, in ways that a lot of kind of eighties and nineties guys didn't because there wasn't anything that those women wouldn't wear that he wouldn't wear himself. And yeah. because like when you say like for one of the better example david lee roth or any number of rockers and rappers you know uh from guns and roses to snoop dog you know like they would be these very you know kind of masculine presented men surrounded by hundreds of skimpy women uh, and it would look very kind of exploitative but it, but when you look at something like we're always there for a reason they had a purpose they were musicians yeah. or they were dancers they were very there are videos like insatiable and violet where there are kind of there as a symbol of sex but there was always for me it never felt for the sake of it and they never felt like they were put there just because prince wants to be seen with some girls dressed like that they always seemed to have some kind of purpose or symbolism for the like the reason that they were there yeah, yeah. and i think what you said chopin as well like hits a nail on the head that even you know like when you think of emancipation and and i see that as kind of like prince's most like you know like heteronormative you know, like broy type look, but he's still wearing lace trousers that are see-through, and you can see, you know, like a, a thong underwear underneath. Like, so there's that subversion of of gender norms, and that to me is is so natural to Prince's like psyche, if that makes sense. And we, we can talk about you know like gender fluid and 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 these terms that we speak about now, but it's it, it's that. I don't think it, I, I don't I don't even know if Prince could 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 t talk about it, you know, like if he was still here. But I do think there's something in that, you know, like it it, it was more than than just close to them. It was more than hair. It was more than makeup. It was it was a it was a way of expressing himself. And I think I haven't really mentioned it, but I think like sensuality. We talk about sex, but like sensuality 
and clothing in Prince is so intrinsic to how oh, yeah. he presented himself. The way that he poses his body, the different erogenous zones that he shows off, that he sings about, like, arguably there are times that it's a bit, you know, like, in your face. and and But there's also so many grey areas and spaces that he explores parts of his body and sings about pleasure in his lover in a way that is not, it's not in, in, our, in, in gender norms. It's... it's it's something that is so intrinsically Prince and that kind of, you know, like bounces back on the clothes that he wears and, and the way that he wears those clothes as well, you know, like the hip chain, we talk about the hip chain oh, for yeah. like four years, but you know, like that, um, you, you know, like the, the women, like Lee, Lee was saying, like the women weren't just there for props. They were there to do, they were working, they were there to do a job and, um, and I think, I think no matter what the women did wear, I'm trying, like th- thinking about it kind of bigly, they were all wearing garments that, like when we look at Sign of the Times and Love Sexy, those garments were like, like they were, you know, like traditionally skimpy, high cut and things like that. But the dancing and the performance that um, Kate and Sheila, eh, Kate, sorry, Kat and Sheila were doing, were, it was, you know, like it, but, the way that he dresses Bonnie and Rosie Gaines is completely different. So there's that, that there yeah. is that disconnect. And I think that's something that we need to think about as well when we think of the women in, in, in Prince's life and the way that, you know, like when he presents Rosie Gaines and diamonds and, and, and pearls and she might be wearing like, you know, like a nod to a basque and she looks absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. But... There is, and you can really see it with Bonnie. There's that disconnect. Bonnie's in, like, you know, like a kind of loose blouse, and she looks completely amazing. But maybe it was because Bonnie wasn't comfortable wearing, um, you know, like the the stuff that the rest of the band the band were wearing. But I've got a feeling that it was maybe Prince being like, no, this this is your costume. This is, um, and that's that's something to think about. It's interesting because when I think about those two people in particular, they very much so almost take on motherly figures in the band. Yeah. As yeah. opposed yeah. to the rest of the, the women. And when I think about them, I do think of like the mothers. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. And like Mavis Staples and you, you know, like know. he 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 hasn't um I would love to see Mavis Staples in some like form of, you know, like love sexy spandex, but I think I think you're right as well. <laughs> I think you're right though, thinking of the roles that they do play and in, in, in Prince's band. But um and I think you know, like thinking about the way that Fur Die Girl dress, there isn't a sexualization of Fur, Fur Die Girl. It's very much like, you know, like it's a it's a rock star band. It's it's we're all grungy, we're all here to I don't know, I had a small crush on Donna. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, they're all <laughs> <laughs> they're all incredibly beautiful but you know like, oh, okay. <laughs> I saw them live and I was like oh okay yeah that was fine <laughs> I had my moment <laughs> confession time but going back to your point about Third Eye Girl is that like you said their look represented the music and the genres like you know um, Screwdriver and all that stuff in the performance on SNL and stuff with Mars it that their style, look, everything emphasised um, emphasised the music, and going to the gender fluid fluid comment that 
uh, Chopin said, always remember the meme of uh, Prince can wear high heels and still steal your girlfriend. You know, it's that, you know, that joke of his um, gender fluidness, I guess. Fluidity. <laughs> Fluidity. There we go. <clears throat> <laughs> But then, but, but that's just something, that's kind of a more academic term for what he did instinctually. I mean, it's like, yes. I know a lot of the times on message boards, the minute you talk about words like queer or gender fluid or, you know, androgyny and stuff, um, there, there's a kind of high uh, playground like mentality that, um, that takes over that instantly a lot of people think, um, oh, someone's calling Prince gay again. And then, it, and, it, and it's just like, no, 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 no. Those are separate, separate things. You know, like you can be, you know, like, it's like, it's an absolutely separate thing. What we're talking, I mean, this is to anybody that's listening that kind of doesn't, there's a lot of terms that I don't expect people to understand or, uh, or to have heard in their day-to-day life, but the subtleties of, and they are really subtle terms. But basically what it's saying is, not questioning who he slept with or whether he considered himself a man or not. Those are quite clear answered questions, but the way he presented himself is, is coded. Um, he, and he's aware of it. He's aware of those kind of in the same way that he researches other communities, hippie communities, um, you know, in the same way that he studied music, he studied image as well. And, you know, he knew what he was doing when he said, am I black or white, am I straight or gay? You know, he was he was welcoming a bigger crowd. He knew what he was doing when he was saying uh, during emancipation, I don't know what the gender of that symbol is. You know, like what we would call um, in my community would be called queer in the pitch. But what actually, I mean, what you would just call is going, oh, anything goes is the real, you know, like would be, most people's time of it. It's like, oh, I wear my girlfriend's clothes. It doesn't mean anything. It's, it's just a kind of mark of a very secure person that doesn't feel feminized by wearing by by wearing feminized clothes. And that in itself is an incredibly powerful message um, because it free it's liberating for a great number of people. I would kind of flip what you just said there, actually. You said um, not feeling feminized by wearing feminine clothes. I would actually say that he wasn't demasculinized. Is that a word? That's actually yeah. a much better way of putting it, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a much better way of putting it, actually, Leah. That he that his masculinity wasn't reliant on uh very surface things. It, it was a core uh security. Yeah. yeah. And I think as well, it's important to think about that in the place of where he grew up and, and the community that he came from. And Prince did this as like a, a black man from Minneapolis. And, you you know, like that in itself, the way that he had that, um, you know, like the the self-assuredness, the confidence, the the... I think it's just like it goes back to like you know like the balls, the the, the kind of audacity to walk yeah. out on stage or walk out, you know, like down the road in Minneapolis, and and do these things and allow others, give others the permission to express themselves, and 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 you know like without labels, 
but just to have that, you know, like I always think of, you know, like the the quote from Janelle Monet um, of being like a free ass mother, um, mother yeah. ever. And that's like I just I, I think of that of of Prince as the kind of epitome of of of, the, of that of just having that self assured um, control of himself, um, and and I think it is really 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 powerful. And I, I, we we look now and you know like we look at people like you know like Lil Nas X and you know like um, performers that are within the queer community that um you know like frank ocean in particular as well these these performers they look to prince for for that for that that um what we spoke about before like when we were younger and we we needed that kind of permission to be who we wanted to be mm. and regardless of prince prince's sexuality it doesn't matter like yeah. that that queerness and you know like we can have another comment but that that queerness isn't doesn't this it's not about who you sleep with it's that it's that defiance and that f you to the society and the 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 all the all the, the bullshit that that goes around us and and that and him actually saying do you know what like i'm going to do what i do and I, and and that and just because i'm wearing my lover's blouse or you know like um I'm, I, I love lace and I, you know like I, I drape my, my my bedrooms and it doesn't it doesn't mean I'm, I'm I'm this or I'm that it just means that I'm a free ass do, yeah. do you know what I mean and I think <laughs> absolutely to have such that's such power like to have like I, I just think that to me is like Prince's like gift to, to 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 fandom that power that you can have in yourself to just be like do you know what like and and it doesn't necessarily need to be you know like an outlandish expression of 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 self through fashion or anything. It could be the way that you you know like conduct yourself or you know whatever it is. But there's that that power that comes in like it's so hard to describe though, isn't it? It's just the that. confidence as well, isn't it? To yeah. just do yeah. all that. I think a lot. Of, I used to dress really outlandishly, like when I was a teenager, and then I learned to internalize that because it wasn't it out because it was such an outward expression of um I, you know i felt where i was was a very impressive place it was very you know on many levels so kind of i dressed to kind of you know for want of a better phrase to be a free ass you know in that way but i learned to internalize it i mean but you know the but the language of image remains once you've done it like you're never totally unconscious of the signals that you're sending out. Um, but I think he's somebody, you know, cause he was on the stage. He never left it on the stage. This is, there's lots of people like there's pictures of Alice Cooper, you know, on the golf course. Um, David Bowie. And David Bowie in the normal clothes. But this is not a guy that left it on the stage. That was as much that, you know, there's plenty of pictures of him walking through the airport with the same trousers he had on, yeah. you know, on stage in Paris. <laughs> or riding his bike around Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, in the same outfit that he just did an after show in, you know, like, so... You and know. I think that goes back to, like, you know, like, these these costumes aren't costumes they're clothes 
their their prince's everyday clothes. Well, and he may a have... brilliant story, isn't there, from um, way back in the day when he kind of first was up and come in and had made one or two um, appearances, and he was walking down the street and he heard someone say is that prince to their friend like that is that prince and apparently that person said no that's not prince prince would never wear that and he heard that and apparently he said that will never happen again (laughs) and from then on it was like okay i have to live this yeah it's living the not that it's living the act isn't it is the continued perception of who you are and your identity yeah, it like goes back to what I was saying about you know like Dieter von Tees, like he yeah he he made that existence for himself. You know, like he had these creatives that were making his wardrobe, um, to the fantasy that he wanted it to be. And whilst he might have you know like a slightly less sparkly or less skin tight variation of a costume, it's still the same silhouette. It's it's still saying the same things, um, and it's yeah it's. I lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> I, I also wonder if it's something of a generational thing as well. Because if you look at like the you know the the three eighties icons, Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna, all three of them are people that are pretty much you know like you see footage of Michael Jackson hanging around. He's still kind of got the loafers on. There's still you know there's still the 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 Jackson family military fake military academy wear. <laughs> And there's, you know, and Madonna's never not in. Well, I suppose that's actually not true. She's like in sportswear somewhere, but like it's a lot of them are just tw- like 24 hours a day aware of. And I wonder if it's that kind of they're informed by that old Hollywood mystique still. They haven't, they have, they're the people that deconstructed that kind of mystique, but they're, they're still influenced by it. So they can't truly be free of it themselves and understand the importance of it as well oh yeah i think it's i remember it was like a couple of years ago i I spoke to to chaz smith about it and he was saying that when prince was about 13 he got his his like friends that were girls in school to make him and his band um matching coordinating suits and to have that way of thinking when you're that young that's that's telling the type of person you're you're talking. So even if even if Prince wasn't, if Prince's life worked out differently and he didn't become you know like the Prince that, that we know now, you can still bet that Prince would be walking about in some some variation of the way that he dresses. Yeah. Sorry, that he dressed. You know that way. Like it, it there's that like. Um, that like effortlessness and I think because he was growing up and he was going to you know like he he was playing in bands at a young age you know like being in the way and surrounded by performers and these black musicians that were building him up and you know like they were mentors to him they were teaching him the importance of dress just as much as his dad and his mum were and you see that and you know like the beautiful ones and Prince like remembers like the shark skin collars, the the arrowhead co- like these are like like again like these are like really specific things that unless you have that interest, it's not it doesn't even a lot of people like look at a dress and they're like, oh it's a dress. Do you know what I mean? But Prince is, you know, like there's there's um people that you know like I've spoken to and 
Prince would comment about their heels, you know, like every time when they were wearing a specific heel and not in like a sexualized way, just like that's a really beautiful heel. It looks, it looks great on you. I love that with the, like, and you know, like, and then running out and buying his own pair, like that, um, yeah, that, and, and that can't be replicated and it can't be, it can't be, um, you know, like, and, and the kind of pop star making, you know, like Svengali, like Prince, that can't be, that can't be, that, that comes from something within. And I think that's why, I think that's why Prince is so successful in his sartorial legacy and his fashion legacy as much as he is in his creative and musical legacy, because it's left that much of an impact. And I think the more people start to, you know, like every year we see, you know, like more and more people waking up to the idea that, you, you know, like in the UK press as well, you still read stuff that, you know, like homophobic stuff about Prince. You still read horrific stuff. It, but every year it changes and and people begin to realise the, the, the real impact that he has had on, like, like we've been speaking about, not just music, but, you know, like graphic design, like menswear, body grooming, dance, like it, like blah blah blah. It goes on, and I think that's why um, Prince has such like a like a flourishing academic community because there's people Very out true. there that are like mm -hmm. digging into stuff that is just. I mean, I I'll obviously love Prince's um, music, but I'm not like a. I, I, I can't. I used to play the trumpet very badly, as I told Lee a few while ago. Um, but I'm not like a musical person. But I'll go to these conferences and I'll read papers, and it'll it's it's fascinating. And that is like that. And people go into you know like the, there's just so much that you can dig into, and that's like a true. A, like that shows the the kind of power behind Prince and the real kind of lasting legacy that he will always leave um, and it'll just continue to grow I think I don't see it um, well you know and there's I, so I many layers to deconstruct as well there's so many yeah. layers I mean, it, I, I mean I've mean, i written articles like 8,000 words on like the Muppet performance you know like it, it's, it's and it's so joyous to do that as well because as a prince, again, I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but in me doing this, like I started doing this seriously just before Prince passed. And when I was at uni, I wanted to do it for my dissertation and they weren't interested. They wanted something, blah, 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 slightly di di different. So I started doing it myself. And then when Prince passed, like it was almost like a, like a kind of like cathartic process for me to, to, to dig deeper and to learn more about Prince through fashion because I think second or intrinsic to music that relationship was was just as important to Prince as it was clocking in to the studio and things like that and I think I think the more we learn about Prince and the way that he presented himself the more we learn about Prince as a, as a person um, and to me that's really exciting because we, we don't know much we're trying. We're trying to like recreate an oral history, and we're trying to speak to these designers. and um, And to me, that's really interesting because they know all the little eccentricities of Prince that we we don't necessarily. We know some of them, but there'll be yeah. loads more. <laughs> it was. 
I said like some of the story, like a lot of people have been chasing stories from the bandmates, and that's the, and and you know what? I love those. I love them to death, and I'm so those oral histories are really important. But also, uh, uh, in kind of one of the things I really enjoyed was like Stacia telling her stories. Um, especially about like, oh, that outfit was meant for Tommy Barbarella, but actually Prince saw it and was like, no, that's mine. <laughs> you know, like, and, I, and like you say, I don't think anybody who has a wardrobe department built into their work environment can ever be considered anything other than really heavily involved in the image process yeah. it's not something it's not something he's ever farming out to anybody else to just come up with things and yeah sure you cho- you choose i'll wear it's it was part of the walk around paisley park that he did checking in on this engineer making sure that the drums were you know like mic'd up right then going upstairs making sure that uh the they um they were choosing the right fabrics and the right cut then going down making sure the video was edited properly i mean that's three dissertations right there. Yeah. <laughs> and and that in itself as well is like jumping back to the people that he looked up to because, you know, like Louis Wells and, and Von Terry, they were working with Earth, Wind and Fire. And in the 1999 tour, they were in the hotel room having, you know, like a makeshift wardrobe department and touring with them and making the stuff. And Prince obviously saw that and knew that that's what Earth, Wind and Fire and these touring bands were doing. And was like, I want a little bit of that for myself. You know, like, you think of, like, you know, like the House of Gaga and, you, you know, like Janelle Monáe's Wonderland and things. Like, like, imagine having a wardrobe department in your house. Like, it's like, it's the most extreme, flamboyant, amazing thing you could do. But like you say, like, you don't just do that unless you you understand the importance and you put a lot of um, reverence in that and the creativity behind that. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll learn more about it. And I hope more, more people begin to speak up as well. Cause I know that a lot of the designers, um, you know, like they're, they're quite private and they, they want to keep it that way, which I completely respect, but I would love to just hear more of those stories. Like, like you say, the oral histories, um, because we, I don't want to lose their voice. Um, do you know that way? Like that legacy is so important. Um, and we should be doing it with everybody as well, not just Prince. We should be doing it for Madonna. We should be doing it for Michael Jackson. We should be doing it for Janelle, like blah, blah, blah. Like um, it's it's important. These people, you know, like their, their roles within this, within popular culture are, are massive. I think that's a really kind of good wrap-up point for us because we could talk about this for forever. But I think definitely PPUK will have to do some kind of campaign to see who we can get um, to yeah. talk about working with Prince on a fashion front. And maybe we might be able to make that connection happen, Cassie. Maybe. Yes. Yes. Let's do the campaign big enough. <laughs> if you see our tweet and we're just like, share this, we're looking for this person, please share it. <laughs> Did you work with Prince? <laughs> we need you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so just to wrap things up, guys, get 
the book. It's called On His Royal Badness, The Life and Legacy of Prince's Fashion. It has a chapter on the chain hat. It has a chapter on the raspberry beret suit. It has a chapter on Prince's leg warmers in the 70s. So if you're into Prince's fashion, get uh, it. Trousers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're holding it up to the camera like you can see it. But um, we all have ours. So make sure you go and get yours. Um, Cassie, it's been amazing to have you on. Please come and join us again. <laughs> it's been so much fun. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. And um, I, I really, really enjoy speaking to like-minded minded Prince nerds. It's it's such a joy. It always like, it sounds cheesy, but it kind of fills you up. You know, that way, like you, you feel completely energised when you're in a space of, of like-minded Prince nuts. So I really, really appreciate um, you guys allowing me the space to to chat with you about these things and some really interesting things as well that I'm going to put like uh, research more into my PhD so thank you so so much 